You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast, a virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco and Mark Nortz here with you. And we're joined now by our new interim president of Winthrop University, Dr. George Hine. Dr. Hine, thank you so much for being with us today. I am absolutely delighted to be with you on this day. It's a, it's a wonderful day. Uh, I know we're going to have a good conversation, and I hope a lot of people are listening to uh, Eagle Radio. So I really want to take this opportunity to allow you to you know, introduce yourself a little bit to our community because you really haven't gotten that chance as the campus has been shut down right at about the time you were just getting started in your new position. Um, you know, Tell us a little bit about how you've come to Winthrop because I know I've heard you talk about how you kind of had the school, you know, your eye on Winthrop and was thinking about it as a place you'd like to be for some time now. Absolutely. And I appreciate the question. And you're, you are precisely right. Um, I've had kind of my eye on Winthrop for many years. In fact, way, way back, it seems like now, uh, in 2012, I applied uh, for the president's position. At that point in time, I was the provost and executive vice president for academic affairs at the College of Charleston. And I was uh, aware of what uh, President Giorgio was doing at the university, was very excited about it. I knew he was retiring and uh, was kind of moving into that new phase of his life. I applied for the president's position, interviewed, and then circumstances um, kind of intervened. My, uh, we had two daughters that were in high school, and uh, most most relevant, uh, my wife's father was uh, having some serious health problems and eventually passed away. So I actually pulled out of the search at that point in time. But uh, since that point of time, I went on to become uh, president at a university in Michigan, and then I worked as uh, in a couple of administrative jobs in Tennessee. Uh, and then when this opportunity came up, I thought, well, I know a lot about Winthrop. I have a passion for its mission as a liberal arts uh, and teaching institution, a comprehensive institution. And I um, was, um, what's the right way to put it? I think the timing was just right because I had quite literally retired uh, for a few months. And then this seemed like a terrific opportunity to come and contribute to Winthrop. Little did I know um, that within the first couple of weeks, uh, we would be sending, uh, closing down the residence halls, sending all of our students home and asking our faculty uh, to teach remotely. Uh, that came as a bit of shock, I think, to everybody, but it was certainly necessary for the safety of everybody. Nonetheless, I feel very invested in the history and the wonderful eagle spirit that I have encountered um, during these, basically, these eight weeks on the job. Uh, yeah, you said, like, you know, you've only been here for eight weeks, and um, one of the things that people always tell us is when they walk onto the campus, um, you know, how that just grabs them, and, and it just, it's very inviting, and it feels like home. Um, seeing we're doing this virtually, and normally we would, you know, we would meet people one-on-one -on -one, uh, during Winthrop Day. What would you tell a, a prospective student and, and, uh, and their parents, too, you know, what makes Winthrop the place to be? Winthrop is really an outstanding institution. Certainly, it's been in existence since the uh, uh, 18, uh, what was it, 18, 1886. And since that point in time, it's had a number of evolutions. It started off really as a, a, a university, a college for uh, preparing teachers. Uh, it was a woman's institution, became kind of an industrial uh, institution. And now, of course, we're a comprehensive university that has the full array of 
liberal arts and sciences coursework where, in fact, I would say some of our greatest points of pride are in the very fact that we offer a comprehensive liberal arts curriculum. So you can major in everything from biology and, and sciences all the way to the visual and the performing arts. In fact, our teacher education program, our College of Business has pre-professional and professional uh, programs that they offer, uh, really kind of complete an array of academic programs that really will allow, expose your student, if you're a parent, uh, to kind of the whole array of different disciplines. Most importantly, all of those programs and all of our faculty are committed to encouraging students to find their passion. And by way of finding their passion, we want them to find a discipline, a major that excites them, that they can get involved in, that wants them to come back to school for more. And of course, through the experiences we provide, we'll help them chart the way to a postgraduate career. We're so excited about how well our alumni do. We follow them, uh, we bring them back to campus, we tell their stories. We are a student-centered institution. This is a safe place to send your uh, your students and for the students that might be listening. This is an institution where you can walk around, feel safe, feel valued, and no matter what your disposition, we want to make sure you are successful during your time here at Winthrop University. It really has that feel of a family. And when you come here as a student and as a parent, when you send your students here, you are really becoming part of our family. We look after you, we, we cheer you on, and we relish the success that you'll have as a student here. I, I know, Dr. Hine, you have a background as a faculty member as well. Tell us about some of the courses you've taught in the past and if you might consider teaching while you're at Winthrop. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that question. Yes, <laughs> I had a... Um, uh, I was a distinguished research professor at the University of Georgia for 24 years, and um, my area, my discipline is certainly psychology, but my subspecialty is uh, child neuropsychology. Uh, I was very much interested in, and it comes from teaching elementary school. I need to point this out. Uh, by teaching elementary school, I realized in the very early parts of my career that there's some students that just have a very severe challenge in trying to learn to read and then control their behaviors. And basically at the University of Georgia, my passion, my research uh, program, which was funded by the National Institutes of Health, um, was to look at the uh, developmental precursors uh, to severe learning disabilities, in particular severe reading disabilities, but also severe mathematical disabilities. And the associated developmental and psychiatric challenges that some young children have. Uh, we did brain imaging studies and we interviewed parents. I ran an active clinic at the University of Georgia for, for many, many years. And the courses I taught uh, were in the area of child neuropsychology. So uh, I taught uh, how to go about assessing children, uh, how to understand different developmental trajectories. And I was very much interested in how early precursors, including prenatal precursors um, to these kind of challenges that students have uh, might manifest themselves. We did a lot of brain imaging research as well. So I had a very active academic career. Who knows, I might be talked into teaching uh, maybe a seminar and presenting some of that research and trying to excite students about uh, the opportunities they have in the clinical disciplines, the clinical neurosciences, perhaps. Um, you mentioned that um, 
you were really only on campus just a short period of time before you had to send the students home and and everything. How did that come about? I mean, um, what what went into that? I mean, here it is. You, you you walk on campus. You you got your stuff in your office, and all of a sudden it's like, oh hey, by the way, you got a plan on on what we need to do here now. Uh, what what was that like? Well, totally unexpected. I think, uh, as as everybody would suspect, uh, as I think everybody knows, uh, President Mahoney left at the end of February for his new position in Illinois. Um, I came on board. Uh, my first day at work was March second, and really by the end of that week, we were among the leadership team, which would be all the vice presidents, the provost, the CFO. Um, we were already then talking about this coronavirus and the impact it might have. And really within a matter of a a week after that, uh, we were actively considering, do we need to send students home and go virtual in our instruction? It all happened so quickly that um, I did have a good opportunity to kind of walk around the campus. I got a wonderful tour of the campus itself. And um, uh, I guess uh, that tour was really quite exceptional. Both Alice and my wife and I uh, enjoyed it immensely. We found out about some of the ghosts that live in Tillman Hall. Um, so we were very excited about being on campus. But seriously, within two weeks, uh, we were already uh, getting word from the governor's office that we we might be sending people home to work remotely. I will tell you, uh, having been a vice president and a provost before and then president of another university, uh, those experiences helped a great deal as we began to consider the path forward. It was very evident that we needed to make some uh, preemptive decisions and we needed to work with the board of trustees and bring them along to support those decisions because events were unfolding so quickly. Um, but we have a wonderful leadership team. Uh, our board chair and vice chair and our entire board of trustees have been completely supportive. And um, uh, it's an exciting time to be at Winthrop because we are looking forward to the day where everybody can be on campus and personally experience and participate in that Eagle spirit. How would you say, um, if you had to assess where we are right now, how would you say faculty and staff um, have handled the situation? I think the faculty and staff have really risen to the occasion. Uh, I mean, I I think it's safe to say that many of our faculty and many of our staff had never worked remotely uh, and probably never really had entertained seriously uh, that opportunity. And all of a sudden within a week, uh, maybe two weeks, uh, three weeks at the most, um, 80% of our faculty and staff uh, basically had to vacate the, the college campus. And having said that, uh, they have performed admirably. And I will tell you that we are going to continue to work with them as we're in this online environment. And we may may be making some decisions about next year uh, here in the next few months. Uh, But having said that, we are offering continuing professional development opportunities for our faculty uh, to continue to work on their online uh, instruction and their capabilities of using the Internet as an instruction medium. And we also want to make sure that we reach out to our staff and provide them the support necessary for them to continue to work online uh, insofar as necessary. Uh, I have been extremely impressed with the quality of the faculty, the staff, our leadership teams, our deans. Everybody has really risen to the occasion and they have addressed problems and challenges head on. We have not had a lot of hand wringing. We have made decisions 
immediately uh, as we have as we have had, frankly, uh, we've needed to in the last couple of weeks, last couple of three weeks. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joe Casco and Mark Nortz here with you, and we're speaking with Dr. George Hind, our new interim president at Winthrop University. Dr. Hind, let's talk about the timeline moving forward. Um, what might that look like? When will you make a decision about what might happen in the fall? And I know it's so terribly difficult to predict, but do you have a a gut feeling or if you could, you know, put the odds on what you think the fall might look like? Well, uh, let me pull out my crystal ball here, which uh, <laughs> seem to seem to have misplaced it, I will tell you. Um, I think we're all trying to read the tea leaves for using another metaphor, I suppose, um, as to number one, when we will come back on campus, what that will look like, and maybe most relevant as we have so many accepted students that are going to be virtually listening tomorrow and are going to be in potentially daily contract with our um, admissions and financial aids people. Um, it is my best guess, and again, this is kind of reading the tea leaves, that we will probably sometime in the month of May, we may do um, some stepwise, um, some making some steps, I guess, forward in having some staff and some faculty return to campus. Uh, we need to be very careful about that and listen to certainly the um, proclamations of the governor, but also uh, what we're learning from the public health officials. So my guess is sometime in mid-May, uh, perhaps staff and some faculty may be coming back on campus if in fact it is deemed to be safe um, because we really don't want faculty and staff or students for that matter to congregate in groups of more than three people. Uh, and we want them to maintain social distance and so on. Uh, we have already made the decision to go online for our first two summer sessions primarily. And then probably, again, this is reading the tea leaves here, sometime in late May, maybe mid-June, uh, maybe even as late as uh, in July, uh, we will be making a decision as to uh, whether or not we need to maintain the online format, uh, both for our working staff and for our instruction uh, for the fall semester. Uh, we're actively considering those options. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that decision-making process. Uh, we're keeping our board chair and vice chair apprised of our conversations and certainly uh, keeping our board uh, members uh, informed as well. Do you, do you envision there might be a scenario where you might start the fall semester at distance and then maybe return to campus mid-semester? Is that an option you might be looking at? It could be an option. What we are hearing from the epidemiologists and the public health officials is that there's um, there's certainly, because of the slow opening that some of our states are doing, uh, South Carolina and Georgia most manifestly, um, there could be a second wave to this. But the epidemiologists are also suggesting that sometime uh, in the fall, there could be a third and very serious wave of this coronavirus. Um, and if that's the case, I would think that um, we would want to avoid admitting students to into our residence halls, teaching directly, and then sending everybody home again. So I think we're probably going to need to make a, a decision uh, as to whether it's uh, going to be all online or uh, in person for the fall. But that is certainly an option to keep in mind. Certainly one question a lot of people have 
you know, as the economy takes uh, a huge hit from all of the, the people having to stay at home and, and businesses being closed, I know the university has said that they're anticipating the financial impact of this could be between five, seven million dollars. What can you tell us about how Winthrop will be affected and impacted financially as a result of the pandemic? Well, that's a that's a wonderful question, and I will tell you just this morning, um, the CFO and I and uh, the uh, chair and vice chair of the board of trustees uh, had a uh, a conversation virtually, of course, uh, about the budget going forward, and um, certainly the kind of expenses that we are incurring. Uh, we estimate somewhere between, as you pointed out, between five to seven million dollars uh, loss because of the um, uh, need to go online. And some of that's related to the re, uh, refunds on housing and dining. Um, and also because we've had to invest very substantially uh, in computer hardware and software uh, to handle the online work. Uh, in addition, we're having to uh, contract for um, a company to come in and sanitize or uh, our rooms uh, so, so that make sure that our offices and classrooms uh, are safe uh, should we return to uh, in-person instruction. So yes, it's been very expensive. Uh, we are uh, recipients of approximately uh, $5.6 million uh, in CARES Act funding. Uh, the listeners may have heard about that. Half of that money is to be uh, distributed directly to the students. Uh, basically, Winthrop is a pass-through, and we, are, uh, in the pro we have applied for those funds, and we are in the process of determining how we might distribute those funds uh, to the students. The other half of the uh, $5.6 million that we're going to receive, uh, we can use uh, to address our infrastructure issues and address ways, expenses that we've had to incur because of the virus. Um, we will still, um, we will still lose money uh, moving forward. Uh, we are hopeful that our students will return uh, this fall as they have every year since uh, 1886. Um, and by way of saying that, we are moving forward with the budget that we think will accommodate uh, the needs of our students and keep them and the faculty and staff safe. One of the other things that we've been uh, hearing a lot about um, from students, are, there's some concerns and everything about, you know, this was my last year, I worked really hard. What about um, commencement? What's going to happen with that? Yes, as you know, uh, we have postponed commencement. Uh, needless to say, the students are still going to graduate. So uh, those students that are seniors this year and, and are anticipating graduation, they will still graduate. Uh, we're in the process now of um, uh, drafting our letters to the students that will accompany the diplomas. So we will be mailing those out to students. But we're also in the process of um, kind of canvassing our options for how we might reconvene some sort of a commencement ceremony. Uh, I think at this point in time, uh, we have uh, ruled out some kind of a virtual commencement, but that could come back as a possibility. Uh, I know some institutions, mm -hmm. and this is certainly something under our consideration, is if, the, um, if it is safe uh, we could consider having a commencement ceremony of some kind, uh, perhaps in August. So we'll know more about this as we move forward. Dr. Hine, if we transition here a little bit, one thing we've been talking to people about is their musical tastes, as we are a music station here at Eagle Air, and, <coughs> and, and certainly people have been escaping 
and distracting themselves with music. Make a recommendation of what we might hear if we got into the car with you this afternoon. What would be in the in the CD or MP3 player when we got in? What what might you recommend for your pandemic playlist for us this morning? Well, I, and I appreciate the, the, the question, and, and I know that the uh, president at the College of Charleston has put out his preferred playlist. Uh, I have toyed with that idea, but I'm not sure how well it would be received. Um, when I take a walk uh, outside to get a little bit of vitamin D and sunshine, uh, I tend to listen to, and I'm dating myself here, I hope you realize, music from the 1960s and 70s. Uh, my favorite artist at the moment that I listen to, in addition to an occasional tour down the road of opera, I do like Pavarotti and some of the operatic um, performances that he did. Having said that, I like uh, Eric Burton and the Animals. Um, always loved hearing Grace Slick and the Jefferson Airplane. And sometimes I even um, listen to, yes, Elvis Presley and Ricky Nelson. Nice. And... Um, I will say I was in a rock and roll band in high school. Uh, we cut a record. Uh, it was I played bass, um, and I decided in my retirement I would take up the guitar. And I'm not there to the point of taking up a six-string guitar and being able to perform. But I definitely enjoyed playing bass in a rock and roll band during the 1960s in Southern California. Dr. Hine, I want to tell you a story. I was at an Elvis Presley con concert <laughs> in January of 1977. It oh was it was in the womb, but I was there. I was about uh, 30 weeks along, I think, 31 weeks along, perhaps. And I've been a big Elvis fan ever since. What's your favorite Elvis song? Oh my God! There, are, I mean. I liked it when in the early part of his careers when he had more of a bluesy, uh, bluesy, uh, blue suede shoes kind of look to him. And not so much about his later, uh, later years. Uh, I, I have to say the first one I remember, I'm not saying it's my favorite, is You're Nothing But a Hound Dog. I, I, he was, I was pretty young when that came out. But boy, that really seemed to uh, uh, it painted the moon as far as I was concerned at that point in time. Uh, a lot of people, when we ask them, how did we pick just one song? But, uh, you know, I, you got a favorite, Mark? I, Love Me Tender, uh, Sus uh, <laughs> Suspicious Minds are always my, some of my favorites. What about you? Oh, I, Suspicious I Minds, yes. Suspicious Minds. Suspicious Minds, is, is, yeah, it's a great I, song. I like his I version like of, of Blue Suede Shoes, though. Yeah, I think he was at his, in my view, he was at the peak of his beginning career then. And uh, that was that was absolutely fine. I will tell you, I do listen to uh, a number of other artists. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, I like Cream. I like Eric Clapton. Um, and there's a, there's a number of other artists I like. Anything that has a blues twist to it, I really enjoy because that's basic. We started playing surf music in high school, and then we migrated into uh, kind of blues and and hard rock. So um, so that's kind of my span of expertise. Yeah. What was the name of your band? Well, there were six of us, so naturally we were called the Six Pack. <laughs> nice. That's nice. I like. That. And, and what was the name of the song that you recorded? Well, well, we it was an instrumental called Goofy. And um, uh, it was uh, actually, it got played and it played pretty well in Southern California, but it was basically surf music. So if we went on uh, YouTube or Google, would we find it? I don't think so, but it is a hit, <laughs> but it is a hit among the, the people who collect garage band uh, records. 
Well, we we did notice that you had a guitar in the background in some of your video messages that you shared ah. with the campus. So, uh, since we know you said you're you're trying to pick it back up, we'll we'll have to ask you to play a few bars for us the next time we speak to you. So uh, <laughs> now, I'm so you better okay. you better use this time to practice. To stop crunching yeah, the numbers for a while and and uh, practice a little bit. But uh, uh, that sounds like a plan, <laughs> Doctor Hine. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate your taking the time, and I want to say to all a welcome, a big welcome and shout out to all the students and parents that are listening. That was Dr. George Hine, interim president of Winthrop University. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day.